In this episode, I sit down with the cocktail whisperer, otherwise known as Warren Bobro, and author of Cannabis Cocktails, Mocktails, and Tonics, The Art of Spirited Drinks and Buzzworthy Libations. Welcome to Bite Me, the show about edibles where I help you take control of your high life. I'm your host, Marge, and before we get into today's show, I just want to say thank you for being with me today and sharing your precious time with me to listen to this conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And what better way to end the Big Bite mini-series than with the author of the book we've been working from, Warren is no stranger to the cocktail industry. He's been in it for a long time. He's a regular contributor to the Forbes Vices column, the author of several books on craft cocktails, including Apothecary Cocktails and Whiskey Cocktails, and of course, the Cannabis Cocktails, Mocktails, and Tonics book, and no stranger to making beautiful cocktails at home. And that's why I wanted to have him on this show. We've been talking about creating drinks at home using his Medicaid Rich Simple Syrup, And I think you're going to learn a few things today. I know there's a few things that I heard that he was speaking about that was new to me that I'm going to be trying in some of my own drinks at home, things that I never really occurred to me. And I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Warren. Enjoy. And we're live. So welcome, Warren, to the Bite Me podcast. I'm really glad you took some time out of your busy day to be with me here today. Thank you. And it's it's fun, to, it's, it's fun on a Friday to be able to do a, uh, a recording and, and get to talk about the stuff that I'm working on. Yeah, of course. And the thing, stuff that you're working on, of course, is always cocktails and more recently cannabis cocktails you've been getting into. And of course, the audience of Bite Me podcasts are all... Uh, cannabis enthusiasts, in particular, edibles. And we've been discussing on the podcast last few weeks, some of the recipes from your book. And I love your book, Cannabis Cocktails, Mocktails and Tonics. I think it's fantastic. And everybody should be buying this book. And you have a very unique take on all this stuff because you've been involved in the craft cocktail industry for such a long time. So I have five thirsty questions for you, Warren, today, if you're ready. I am, of course. Please lead on. All right. So first of all, what is your favorite infusion to make when it comes to cannabis cocktails in particular? And what one do you feel is most often overlooked? Well, the simple syrup, of course, because you can use it in so many different drinks and you can decide exactly how much sweetness or how much... uh, potency the the drink contains. And I I should say that this is not a new thing. Uh, The use of alcohol and cannabis goes back to probably the mid-1800s during the time of the early apothecary prior to uh, electricity and refrigeration. So alcohol and cannabis together acted as a preservative not as a as a crossfade. So I do want, want to make that clear that I'm not I'm definitely not the first person to do this. And I wrote my book in 2015, so this isn't a, a just have. So that's a right. Uh, that's a, I'm glad anyway. you know that about the crossfade too, just because there's always these caveats about mixing cannabis and alcohol and how you have to be pretty careful with it. Uh, I agree you should be careful with it. I think less is more in this circumstance. And uh, there's two words that we used to use in the liquor business uh, when describing people who drank too much on a daily basis, and it's called common sense. Common sense. (laughs) Yeah, 
that common sense thing is, uh, yeah, (laughs) that's pretty good. Do you feel like there is an infusion that's too often overlooked when it comes to making cannabis cocktails? Or do you feel like the rich, simple syrup just sort of covers most of the bases? That's why I said a rich, simple syrup, because you can use it in so many different drinks and it's really adaptable. Uh, you don't really need very much of it. And it, uh, it adds balance and sweet. And you can decide, you know, what flavors you want to put into that simple syrup. You can make it a, a uh, any sort of infusion with, you know, the terpene, the natural terpenes from the cannabis add something to it. And there's also what I think much more importantly is you can make it dark, you can make it light, you can change up your entire cocktail repertoire by the type of simple syrup that you're using. And it it really is very adaptable. I'm not saying make the drink sweet, but it adds a touch of sweetness that becomes much more tangible. Right. That makes it more palatable, if you will. And I haven't had a chance to make it yet, but you do have in the book the simple syrup, but you add ginger to it, which I think is really nice. And I'm I'm going to be trying that one soon too, because I love ginger. So so that's uh, definitely, I've found that definitely to be true what you're talking about, because I did make a herb simple syrup for the French herb scented Vichy water, and that was lovely. So everything you're saying totally makes sense. Do you have, sorry, go ahead. And, and up there, in, you're in Canada, correct? Yes. Yeah, so you're in Canada. So, so you have a very advanced cocktail culture, much more, I would say much more advanced than the United States where you are because it's just much more sophisticated. So if you show up to a mixology party and you have a container of infused simple, uh, I'm sure someone will know what to do with it. Oh, that's, that's a really great tip to know. I didn't know that about the Canadian cocktail industry, but that's very interesting. Well, I do, <laughs> I yeah. do because they're because some of the greatest drinks that I've I've come across are from either Vancouver or Toronto. But but the fact is, you have a very cosmopolitan attitude towards cocktails. It's not necessarily uh, sweet forward; it's more savory forward. Right, and yeah, I'm a fan of the savory too, for sure. And what kitchen gadget, tool, widget, or ingredient, any one of these things, um, do you feel is essential to making great cocktails at home? Uh, Use the best uh, ingredients that money can buy. I I always say don't skimp. And if you are using juices, don't use concentrated juices. Always use fresh squeezed. You should be making your own ice. Uh, when I make my ice, I do it in a, uh, in one of those plastic freezer bags. I use mm-hmm. two of them. So my ice doesn't smell like the last week's garlic pasta, which is up in the refrigerator that I forgot about that suddenly all my ice smells like garlic. Um, I use good tools. Uh, the Carico shakers are the ones that I choose to use because they're weighted and they make, they make my job a lot easier when I'm mixing, when I'm, you know, shaking up a cocktail. Uh, I, but I think, you know, most importantly, you don't want to use any spirits that have caramel coloring or flavorings added because there's a, there's heating involved and those, uh, those certain cocktail ingredients may not be meant to be heated. And other, you know, bad things may happen if you heat a caramel colored rum, it's going to turn into some black sludge and it's probably not so healthy for you. Right. And all that makes a lot of sense because I feel like with most cooking, anytime you can buy the best ingredients you can, it's obviously usually preferable. But it's interesting that you know about making your own ice because that's something I feel is really easy for someone at home to replicate. If you can make your own ice, 
it's not a difficult thing to do. So that's, that's fantastic. And who would have thought making your own ice could make such a big difference. But again, having made that herb scented Vichy water, I made the lemon ice, the lemon zest ice. And that was, that was really nice. I think it was for that one, but yeah. So that I think it had a little bit of, uh, had some sort of, you know, uh, it had all the, all those nice herbs that are snipped into it. Yes. And, and then in my book, I really wasn't familiar with the process of uh, of doing the uh, the ice because uh, hold on for a second. Yes, it was okay. I'm on a live recording. I'm sorry, talking to my wife. Um, <laughs> the uh, the, uh, the le- it was a lemon zest and and it has a little bit of lemon oil and I think there were some fresh herbs in there and it was just really tasty. It had it was something that was different. Yeah, was I agree. And, you know, as, as a former chef, I like to test the culinary uh, limitations of my uh, understanding. Well, it's nice to hear you say that because I feel like sometimes home chefs are a little bit too shy to play around with some of this stuff. But ice is such an easy way to sort of open up some whole new worlds as far as making cannabis cocktails or just cocktails in general. So that's great. Sure. And, and one of the best ice recipes that I have is actually the easiest. You take a can of coconut water. And you freeze it in an ice cube tray and then mix it into a rum cocktail. It doesn't necessarily have to have cannabis in it. But when it's uh, when the, the ice is melting, it changes the complexity of the craft drink in your hand. Right. And like, I was going to note that, too, like, because how easy is it just to get coconut water and just and freeze it? I mean, that's such a simple little trick. But yeah, and it doesn't dilute it with water. It dilutes it with flavor, the flavor of the right. coconut. Very important. Yeah. In the drinks that I do, they're not just one-dimensional; they're multi-dimensional, and they have different levels of taste and balance. And they use bitter, and they, you know, bitters I, they use extensively. So, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, your so your favorite beverage in the cannabis cocktails book? What and if you have one, I'm assuming you must at this point. And is, is there anything special in particular about it? A memory attached to it that gives it this regard, high regard? Yeah. I would say Rum Agricole from Martinique primarily because it has an Appellation Original Control A. You know, it's being produced in a fashion that is uh, it's a licensed fashion by this by the French government, if you will, because mm-hmm. uh, in Martinique, being a French protectorate, they uh, their rums are are subscribed under this Appellation Original Control A. So you know it's the good stuff. You know it's well made. You know there aren't any dicey ingredients in there, and you know that uh, that it's going to be different than molasses based rum. Essentially, Agricole is made from freshly crushed sugarcane juice as opposed to highly toxic molasses. And I had no idea that was even involved in. The rum manufacturing, they often use molasses. I didn't know that. 99% of the rums on the market are made with molasses. Only about 1% are made with uh, with crushed sugar cane. And can you repeat the name of that rum again? It would, it's, it's called Agricole or Agricultural, R-H-U-M, oh, okay. as opposed to R-U-M. So it has the French pronunciation rum right okay very good i will look that up and include that in the show notes for anybody who's looking for something sounds like it's exquisite honestly Um, yes like burgundy wine uh, agricole is to rum right burgundy to wine i'm furiously writing notes here as you speak warren so (laughs) you have to bear with me sometimes 
in your book, Cannabis Cocktails, do you have a favorite in there of all the, well, it doesn't have to be the cocktail. It could be. Yes. And actually it's a mocktail that I love and it's the Vietnamese iced coffee with the THC infused condensed milk. That is also one of the easiest drinks in the book. You take, you can go to your, any supermarket or convenience store in the world and they probably have a can of condensed milk on the shelf. I, if you're doing a, you know, the small can, I think it's approximately, uh, you know, it's a cup, maybe, I don't know, half ounce, you know, not a half ounce. It's probably, I don't know, a, a, a cup or a half cup and you add the cannabis right to it. And then, uh, what you do after that is you heat it slowly about uh, 140 to 160 degrees, no more in a double boiler. Uh, you can leave the, the can intact. You don't, you just open it up, throw the cannabis in, in and I, uh, the cannabis has been decarbed already. That means that it's mm-hmm. become activated by heat. That's another, just another technique that's, in the book and it makes the the cannabis uh you know it it turns the the cannabis from thca to thc but again the the decarbed cannabis will go into like a little uh i don't know i use cheesecloth uh, pouch and then i put it into the little can of condensed milk in a double boiler and slowly gently simmer it at no more than 160 degrees for two hours uh and then you let it cool take out that little package of the cannabis and then uh, you can use that condensed milk in any sort of uh, drinks that you like, or even desserts. You can make a Dolce de Leche cake if you like with that cannabis, Mm. uh, you know, condensed milk, but you know, getting back to the the Vietnamese iced coffee, it's two ingredients, condensed milk, iced coffee, pour the, the condensed milk over the iced coffee in a glass with some good ice. And there you have it. And it's funny you mentioned that because that is one of the recipes that I first bookmarked in in your book, which I'm looking at it right now. And I haven't tried this one yet because I have to go out. The condensed milk I found in my cupboard is long overdue. So I'm probably not going to use that. But how fantastic is it that you can just do it right in the can? I never would have thought to do that. Uh, that's, that's pretty much, you know, I've always learned that the condensed milk is, is usually just in the can. And if you want to do anything with it, you just leave it in the can. Well, that's fantastic. And I'm looking at the recipe too, and you have the coconut water ice cubes for that, which I think would be really nice as well, just as the as an additional flavor additive as it as the ice melts, like you mentioned earlier. So that's wonderful. I will definitely be trying this recipe out very soon. Yeah, so it's not diluting, it's adding. That's the key yes. word. Yes, exactly. Now, for people who are wanting to sort of dabble into uh, serving cannabis cocktails or mocktails at a gathering. And I know people aren't having too many parties these days, but we will be again. But if you're wanting to serve cannabis infused drinks, do you have any advice to serving to guests to make sure that nobody overindulges? Yeah, use less rather than more. They always can take more, but like Thai food, when you have a, uh, you know, when you're eating Thai food for the first time, you probably wouldn't have it served uh thai spicy five star you know so start low, you can always add more you can't take it away once you've taken it and no one wants that bad experience now if you have that bad experience and you'll know what i'm talking about because if you've ever had edibles and you've eaten too much you'll yep. you'll, you'll remember that that horrible feeling of you know spinning and vomiting or whatever else so what, what i recommend is keep some lemons around so you can suck on some lemons because the terpenes and the lemons counteract most of the ones in 
cannabis, and then also some peppercorns. I chew on peppercorns. The uh, There's another terpene, I forget the name of it, but it's in pepper and it's in most cannabis strains, so it counteracts it. Okay, that's good to know, especially because I've heard of these these two tricks with the, the lemon and the peppercorns before, but fortunately, I've never been in a position where I've had to try it. It's been a long time since I've overdone it on, on edibles, but it's always good to hear from somebody who might have some experience with that to say, yes, it actually works. So if you're listening to this and that's ever happened to you, lemons and peppercorns, two things that most people have in their cupboards or their fridge at some point. So, so use less when you're serving to guests, which is Yes, I, I very, very important. Very, you don't yeah. want to have anyone have a bad experience because they're always going to remember that one bad experience and I don't want to be the one that provided it. Right, yeah. You want them to want to come back to your place to enjoy your company, not stay away. <laughs> say, oh yeah, he's fine, but I got destroyed. Well, that's what happened when I appeared on Vice. They asked me to make them a CBD mocktail or cocktail that had alcohol in it that they could feel. And of course, anyone knows, and if they don't, um, let me be the first to tell you that if you make a CBD mocktail or even a cocktail, the alcohol negates the CBD. That's the first thing. The second thing is you're not going to feel anything. And if you do, please tell me because I want to take that CBD because as far as I know, <laughs> it doesn't have any feeling. Uh, so what I did is I unleashed what we call the entourage effect, and I uh, gave them 50% THC with 50% CBD like they asked. And I destroyed them on live TV. <laughs> and how did that go over? Uh, not well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. It's such an uncomfortable feeling when you've had too much THC. But then to add the pressure of being on television, live TV, maybe, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I can see how that might not have gone over too good. And it's interesting yeah. you mentioned, I didn't realize that this, that CBD was negated by alcohol. Yeah, you have to uh, you have to use a lot of it anyway for it to do anything. So those right. little bottles, you know, the little tincture bottles that are, I don't know, they're one fluid ounce. Some of them cost as much as $80, $90, $100 for a little bottle. Yep. And literally to get a, a dose out of that that would do anything in the presence of alcohol, you have to use the entire bottle, you know, and that right. money back on it in, in a in – a, uh, how should I say in a, you know, bars don't allow that. So you never have to worry about it, but it's going to be the, as simple as you would go in like out, out in California, they used to do this. I don't think it's legal anymore, but they would put a couple drops of uh, CBD on top of a craft cocktail and then upcharge you 14 or 15 bucks for those three drops. Right. Which is, I mean, it's crazy. I want to take the bartender by the, by the neck and say, listen to me. You're <laughs> doesn't do anything what are you you're taking advantage of your customer your guest anyway by serving them lousy ice now you're charging them you know a 15 or 20 dollar upcharge for uh for a couple drops of cbd that no one knows really where it's from anyway right that's another good point too because cbd's become so popular that it seems like you can buy it everywhere now and you probably shouldn't but gas stations i mean i yeah I you know, they, I write for Forbes, so they ask me to write about their products all the time. And I, one of the questions that I've asked is, is your CBD sold in a gas station? If so, don't call me again. Right. <laughs> yeah, but that's very interesting to know because, you know, I guess it just means if you're going to be using their CBD in your beverages, just leave out the alcohol and make it a mocktail. Uh, I would just say just leave out the CBD. Altogether in a beverage. Altogether, yeah. Okay. 
Okay, because I was going to ask if you could swap out us like using CBD flour for some of the infusions in your book instead of THC, but you feel that there's really no... I didn't work with any of those ingredients, so I can't tell you what will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure nothing will happen either in decarbing or, you know, I, I just don't, I think it's snake oil. I right. really truly think it's snake oil. And, you know, who? how dare I say, but I have glaucoma mm-hmm. and I am in the medical cannabis program here in New Jersey. And what that is done is, is it allows me to smoke strains that are higher in CBD, but lower in THC. Now that's mm-hmm. perfectly okay. But pure CBD strains from hemp do absolutely nothing at all. It's hmm. it's, it's completely snake oil, right? I mean, so you really I, you really do need the THC for that entourage effect, like you mentioned earlier. With my own eyes, I don't know about anyone else's, but I know for me that's what I need. Yeah. And that, uh, so you know, as I like to say, I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on television, but I know what works for me. I mm-hmm. can't. Re- what might work for you because right. again i'm not qualified to make that determination but what i can tell you is that if you're putting cbd in a craft cocktail or mocktail you're just wasting your money right well that's good to know i mean it just means that listeners out there if you're hearing this you know you might as well make it an infused cocktail and enjoy it and you're going to feel something anyway so isn't that why we get stoned i mean come on i don't get stoned just for my my well-being i get stoned because i like it yeah and well <laughs> wrong with that because when i was a national a national brand ambassador for a boutique rum company my job was to get people obliterated when drinking and that's the image that's the recommendation and the image that they're trying to portray that drinking is not something you do in moderation drinking is something you do to get drunk so mm-hmm. what's wrong with smoking a little weed i mean really and by comparison, absolutely nothing. And it's probably preferable if you're looking at it from that health perspective too. So yeah, you're definitely preaching the converted over here. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Now, finally, Warren, you have Klaus Apothecare. Yes. And I would love to hear a little bit more about that and what's happening with that. That is a THC live resin infused craft mocktail no alcohol. It'll be sold in California where it's legal to do this type of thing. It'll be 10 milligrams of live resin, which is the most concentrated form of concentrate uh, that, that's available for the, you know, for the drinks and the food industry as well. Uh, it is based on a recipe that I derived from my book, Cannabis Cocktails, Mocktails and Tonics. It's called the Meserol Cocktail. It's named after uh, Mez Mesro, who was Louis Armstrong's weed dealer during the jazz era. Uh, he brought Mexican cannabis up from, of course, from Mexico and sold tons of it in Chicago and in New York City. He got a lot of people's attention and uh, really fueled the jazz era. So that's why I, I wanted to pay homage to Mez by naming a, uh, a drink after him. And it's one of my three SKUs. Well, I'm I'm excited to see that come out. Is it just going to be out in California when it initially is released? Well, it, uh, let's look at it another way. It's just going to be only about 2,200 cans. <laughs> so, right. So that's yeah. not a whole, you know, I, I have to, I'm doing 4,200, but I have to give away half of those to influencers. Right. 
Yes, so, of course. Yeah. Well, well that's very know. exciting. And when do you think this is going to, when will we be hitting the shelves? Oh, I do have God. listeners in California. So oh, I, I know it's going to hit the shelf in November, beginning of November. We, I formulated it last year. It was with the food scientists for almost six months while they got all the formulas developed because it's mm-hmm. not just making drinks for two people. It's making drinks for 2,200 people and everything has to be in balance. I had to get in touch with all the different manuf- all, you know, all the different ingredients manufacturers. Many of these people don't, ca- you know, keep in stock uh, eight or nine hundred gallons of their product. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they don't, you know, they, they they make for bartenders, and right now with COVID, no one's really buying very much of their products, so they're not keeping things around. Mm-hmm. The other, the other thing that that that's sort of an obstacle is the aluminum cans. There is a shortage of certain types of aluminum cans, and the one that I'm using, there's a shortage of. So I have to buy uh, you know, a, a very large number, more, much more than I had anticipated buying in the beginning. But that's in any business, you always have things happen that you don't anticipate, and this is one of them. Yeah, of course. And on top of all that, you're dealing with, with a global pandemic as well. So I'm sure all the hard work you've been putting in is going to come to fruition in November, which is really exciting. I believe I've seen pictures of the cans, possibly, online, and they look they look like they're a lot of fun. They're they're beautiful. My friend John yeah. Mammoth, you know, he he created the the artwork. He created all the all the important stuff that goes into this product. He is the one who created. My job as CEO is to kind of be the rat, you know, the the, the cow wrestler. I've got to wrangle all the, the parts and put it all together. And I wish I was better at that, but uh, but I'm learning. Right. And that's no small task, I'm sure, especially in a craft cocktail cannabis environment, which is still pretty new in a lot of places too, right? Oh, so absolutely new. And, and I, I have to tell you that this is not one of those insipid seltzers. So it's not one of the, it's not a drink that doesn't challenge you intellectually. It, it makes you thirsty because right. when I in Moscow in 2015, teaching at the Moscow Rum Show, I mean, at the Moscow Bar Show, and I taught a master class on rum. And what I learned by that is there was a, a young Vietnamese guy who was in the class, and he and I, you know, went out for some drinks, and he was telling me about his secrets, you know, the type of ingredients that he uses in his craft cocktails that he creates in Saigon. And I was just blown away by the range of flavors from ingredients that everyone has on their shelf, but no one ever thinks about using in a craft cocktail. And one of them was rice wine vinegar. And that's one of my secret ingredients. Not so really? secret, but it adds a little smack of, uh, of acidity, but it also gives you great balance and depth in your craft cocktail. Well, that's very interesting. That's something that uh, listeners, if you're hearing this, rice, wine, vinegar, you probably have some in your cupboard somewhere. I know I do. I have some. So I'll have to play around with that a little bit as well. Not very so, much. Like a, like a, like a 0.25 in a drink. Not more than that. Right. Right. Okay. That's great to know. So is there anything else that you want, you need, feel compelled to share with us about making craft cocktails, specifically infused with cannabis, of course? Uh, yeah, I do really. What you should do is always have a, a, a buddy with you. So if you get into trouble, not that you will, but if you do someone who's, you know, as we say, when we used to take a lot of mushrooms, you'd say it's always nice to have a guide around with this. It's nice to have a guide around too, just to keep an eye on you. 
You know what? That is definitely great advice. And Warren, I just want to thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. And everyone listening, I'm going to have links to the Cocktail Whisperer and his articles on Forbes and everything else. You can find out more about Warren and check out his book and some of his many other books as well. And I hope you have a wonderful day, Warren. Talk soon. I'm having a, I'm having a fabulous day now. Excellent. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I hope you got as much value out of that conversation as I did. Warren is a warm and genuine person, and you can find him on Instagram at Warren Bobro. Uh, that's where I first met him, if you will. And I will be sure to link to his social media handles, his website, his Forbes column, all that great stuff. So you can find him. I highly suggest you pick up his book if you have a chance, The Cannabis Cocktails, Mocktails and Tonics, because there's lots of other great drinks in there. Other than the two that we covered in this Big Bite mini series, if you have any feedback, questions, comments, perhaps ideas for other guests you'd like to see on this show, by all means, email me at bitemepodcast at fastmail.com. Leave me a voice message from the website at bitemepodcast.com, or you can comment on the webpage. But I think that's it for for this week, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it once again, and I hope you have a great week and stay high.